Pastor Jerry is coming back today. I talked to him yesterday from a Presbyterian pastor's retreat. It's actually a fishing trip. It's in central Pennsylvania. And he and Stan Johnson, our parish associate, are on that retreat. And they're traveling back today. So he'll be back up here next Sunday. And he'll be back home tonight. So we'll welcome him back. All right. Today's passage is again out of Luke 9. It builds on last week where we saw Jesus send out the disciples to take his message of good news and to heal the sick and to do all kinds of things in nearby villages and towns. And that was in Luke 9. And it really, today's passage builds on that part of Luke 9, 1 through 9, today with Luke 9, 10 through 17. So let's read that now. This is God's word. On their return, the apostles told Jesus all that they had done. Then taking them along, he slipped quietly into a city called Bethsaida. When the crowds found out about it, they followed him and he welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and he healed those who needed to be cured. The day was drawing to a close and the 12 came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they may go into the surrounding villages and countryside to lodge and get provisions, for we are here in a deserted place. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to the disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. They did so and had them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he blessed and broke them and he gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And all ate and were filled and what was left over was gathered up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, and let us pray. Lord, on this day, the Lord's day, we study your word together, and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So to get to the context of the story, we need to remember uh, last week's story, as I said, and we need to see that last week's passage is very closely related to this week's passage. Last week it said that Jesus called the 12 together, so he called them together as his group, and he sent them, it says, with authority and power that he had to do amazing things, you know, to cure disease, cast out demons, heal the sick, just some regular things, right? And spread the good news. They were not to take anything, so they weren't to take anything with them. We talked about this would make them vulnerable. They would have to depend on others in the towns they went to uh, to provide them shelter and lodging. So they set out, and apparently they did well. Now, you may not know, but this uh, miracle that's about to happen, the feeding of the 5,000, is the only miracle that's told in this way in all four Gospels. But there are a few different nuggets in some of the different Gospels. In Mark 6, we see that they drive out demons and anointed sick people with oil, and then it says they come back and that they've had success. 
they tell Jesus what they had done and they're, they're like, you can't believe it. We prayed like you showed us and people were actually healed. People believed in the love of God in these little villages around here. It was amazing. And they went quietly into a little town or a village called Bethsaida on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. It was probably just a short boat ride from where they were or a little bit longer walk. And they went for a time away. Christian writer Vance Hafner says, if we don't come apart and rest, we will just come apart. If we don't come apart and rest, we will just come apart. The point is, is that we all need rest, especially after when we have used great energy for a big event. Now, the disciples on this big event, this time away, they took lots of risks. Again, they said they went out to preach and to heal, but they took nothing. It took great trust uh, in Jesus to do what they did. And, you know, to go out on a mission like this was most likely uh, exhausting for them. So they had been stretched. Sharon and her talk a minute ago talk about being stretched. They had been stretched and now they needed a break. What about you? What kind of things do you do in your life where you need a break after being stretched? A big ministry time, a big work project, maybe a big trip, maybe even a big vacation. Sometimes we say, I need a vacation from my vacation, right? When you get back, if you've been incredibly busy, but something you've given all your energy to, maybe your physical energy, your emotional energy, you're exhausted and you need a break. You need to withdraw. Jesus gives us this example. Uh, it's common for Jesus in the gospels, but especially in Luke, he says many times that he pulls away for solitude and silence to think, to recharge, and to pray, and here it's a little unique because he takes his disciples with them. He's modeling not only how to do ministry, but how to do life as well. Bill Gaultier, a Christian writer says, Jesus' ongoing intimate relationship with his father was the source of his compassion, wisdom, and power that we see on every page of the gospel. So it says, his intimate relationship with his father, he pulled away and he pulled the disciples away with him for a time to rest, to debrief, to recharge, to think, and to pray. And this is part of Jesus' secret where he would get his power by doing these things. But here's where things change in today's story because life intervenes and things don't work the way that you think they will. Isn't that true that, you know, sometimes we, we think we have a plan and then our plans get messed up because life gets in the way. Something happens that is unexpected. That's what happens in this story because here we are really in today's part. In verse 11, the crowds find Jesus and the disciples and they had taken a short boat ride on the Sea of Galilee, but it's not a very long walk kind of around the corner on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. And the crowds find them and Jesus has compassion on them and teaches them until late in the day. This is unexpected, it, un, it is unplanned. This is when life happens. For us, and I know for me, so often when uh, life gets in the way of something, I can get stressed or I can get defensive or I can think, you know, this wasn't my plan, I wasn't planning on doing this. But Jesus' attitude is different. He even used the word welcomes. 
Jesus welcomes the crowds and he makes them feel wanted. And in the Gospel of Mark, it says this, Jesus had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. So even though the disciples needed a rest, Jesus had compassion. He sees the needs and he responds to their needs. They were humble and vulnerable to do what they did. The disciples were. They were humble and vulnerable because they did what they did on going out and teaching, and now they respond to what Jesus has as well. Last week, we heard Pastor Jerry talk about that the disciples are loved uh, because they were humble and vulnerable, and we too are loved by God. Even when Jesus asks us to step out in faith, I think especially, you know, when Jesus asks us to step out in faith and take risks, we can know that we are loved by God, that he is going with us. But being loved by God is not where we stop even when we're going out. It's kind of where we start. John Ortberg, one of my favorite authors, I would say, of the last 30 years, Christian writer, says this, Jesus loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. He wants you to be just like Jesus. Jesus loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. He wants you to be just like Jesus. He wants to keep moving in us, changing us to grow. So we are loved by God, but God calls us then to work with him just as he did with the disciples, and also to be humble and vulnerable and sometimes to say yes and take risks when we are called to do. So we talked about last week that ZPC has many missions. This is a big part of our DNA. We had Super Servant Sunday, and one of the missions I've been uh, intimately involved with over the last 20 plus years is to go to Faith Ministry in Reynosa, Mexico. We've been probably 13 or 14 times in the last 23 years with groups down there. And one of the things I think when I take groups there, and I haven't been since before the pandemic, I'm looking forward to going back, but we think sometimes as Americans, we know how to do everything. And so we go there and they want us to do construction. And we're like, we're Americans, we can do construction, we can build houses, and we know how to do evangelism, we how to do these things. But what I've learned in Mexico with faith ministry is to come alongside, to work with the people there and to be vulnerable. Don't think that we have all the answers, but to think that we can learn from them. And kind of like the disciples, we don't bring a lot with us. We don't bring the idea that we can fix everything. We go with them. Now, one of the things the ministry does is build very simple and affordable houses. And the process is very different than what happened yesterday. And I know Jim Martin in the announcements already recognized that yesterday was a Habitat for Humanity wall bill, which was in our parking lot. And there were tons of people here for Ronnie Jordan's house. It's gonna be uh, building in June, starting soon. But in Mexico, very different. It's concrete block or cinder block It's mixing cement, and sometimes you have a mixer, oftentimes you don't. So how do you mix cement when you don't have a mixer? You put all the ingredients on the ground, you pour water in it, you get shovels, and you mix it on the ground. And it's very hard physical labor, and it takes a lot of people. And then what do you do when you get it? 
You scoop it into buckets and you pass it bucket by bucket to wherever you need it to go. So you have to create an assembly line to do that. What it does is makes us more vulnerable. Instead of having a big machine to do this for us, we do this by hand. And everyone plays a part, especially when you're having those assembly line of passing blocks or passing the buckets of cement. I had a person go with me one year and he said he was skeptical to go because he told me he was afraid as Americans, we would come in and just force ourselves and tell the people there what we wanted to do. And I said, no, that's not the way we do it. Because I've learned over the years that we're in their country, in their ministry, and we do the things the way that they do it. They are the experts in their type of construction, and we are the learners, and they are the teachers. Now, I said it makes us vulnerable because I'm not very good at construction. I'm not a fix-it guy. I can't do that very well. I like to hire others to help me fix things, and I'll, I'll try to learn. I can do some things, but not a lot. But pretty much when I go to Mexico, and I've been lots and lots of times, they're like, no, Scott, don't do it this way. You gotta do it this way. And they'll maybe even come and take my block off the cement and like correct it and then make me put it back on. That's always humbling. But they do it um, correcting my mistakes with a smile and with patience. And what it does is it brings us together, even with the homeowners who work on their own homes. We get to meet them and have lunch with them and spend time with them, and we get to do it together. About 20 or so years ago, there was a Bible study program called Experiencing God, and it kind of swept through Canada. It came out of Canada and into the United States, and basically the message of Experiencing God said this, see where God is at work and join him there in it. See where God is at work and join him there. And so we saw that God was at work in Mexico when we joined him there. We can see where God is at work in the Habitat wall build and we join him there. And we do that with humility, humility and vulnerability. And I think this is a simple concept that we sometimes miss. Sometimes we think that we have the answers, but it's good to understand that we don't have the answers, that we can't solve every problem that we need to look for help from God. So Jesus had compassion on the crowds in this story, and he's been teaching them apparently all day. And the disciples, they're either worried about the crowds or maybe they just kind of want to be done with them. Maybe they're still tired from doing ministry. So when Jesus says, you know, all these crowds are here, he's, they're like, send them away, send them away. They, we don't have any food here. In fact, if we had to buy food, it's going to cost, they say an amount of denarii, but it's going to basically it's cost thousands of dollars to feed all these people. We can't do that. There's no way we can do that. And Jesus instead says, you give them something to eat. One commentator I read this week said, is the feeding of the 5,000 a test for whom? Not for the crowds, but for the disciples. They need to realize their inadequacy of their own resources, and then to trust Jesus in the story. To feed all these people would be really impossible for the disciples to do. They don't have enough food and they don't have enough money. But in the same story in John 6, it says a young boy shares his food, five loaves and two small fish. What's the moral of that part of the story? 
The truth is, is that we all have something to share. And so this young boy is the one who brings the loaves and the fish. Then Jesus takes the bread and using almost the exact wording that he does at the Last Supper, it says, he looks to heaven, he breaks it and, and hands it out. And during that time, somehow, some way, he miraculously multiplies the food. Then the disciples, even though they said there, there wasn't any way we could do this, they still get to play a part. They get included to give the food to the people. So Jesus does the supernatural. He turns a small amount of food into enough to feed thousands, but he still gets the disciples to do the natural, to distribute the food. And you, you might say, well, the disciples had failed, even though I don't really think that they did. It could be like the disciples had been asked to, to give them something to eat and they don't have an answer. They don't have a realistic answer, but Jesus has a supernatural answer but then he still asked them to distribute the food. And when they pick up the leftovers, there's 12 baskets, one for each disciple who served the food. God asks us to say yes. For the disciples, he asked them to say yes to distribute the food. And for us, he asks us to say yes sometimes when things are unexpected, as this was unexpected, or maybe when things are uncomfortable for us or things we're not used to, he still asks us to say yes. So the ZPC staff, and especially my family, know this about me. Uh, when I am around uh, blood, needles, if I hear too many details about surgeries, I'm gonna get squeamish, and if I don't leave, I may pass out. That's just the truth, I know that, all right. When I was younger, I would get even sweaty palms when I would get asked to do hospital visits. So for me, that was something very uncomfortable to do. I'm gonna go make a hospital visit. I remember walking into the doors of the hospital, I could feel my palms start to sweat. And, and sometimes when I would get to the room, and I remember one specifically, a, a gentleman from ZPC, I don't think it's any of you here. When I got to his room, he wanted to show me his scars from his surgery. And I'm like, no, please, please don't. I don't really need to see that, you know. And I think he did anyway, but, uh, but I survived that one. But maybe the worst time that I had with this, with getting squeamish, I was doing youth ministry here at ZPC in my early days. We had a high school girl. She had a knee injury from sports and I knew the family really well. So I went to the hospital and I got there just in time to go in kind of the prep room before surgery. And she was just in there with her mother. And I'm like, this is cool. I get to go in, I'm gonna say a prayer with them and then I'll get to leave. But the nurse comes in before that happens and she goes into great detail telling about the surgery. And I remember thinking a couple of things. I mean, they're gonna stab and hurt this poor girl, you know, with the surgery. And they're telling her all the details. And as she kept talking, the room got hotter and I started to get dizzy. And I think the room started kind of closing in. So I, stopped, I, I literally stopped them and said, I have to lay down on the floor and can you get me a wet rag? So which I did, so the rooms, you know, like 10 by 10, these little tiny rooms, eight by eight. And I lie on the floor, I think the nurse looked at me like I was crazy. But what happened was uh, the high school girl and her mother just laughed hilariously at me, which actually I thought was great because it lightened the mood. And I wasn't very spiritual that day, I don't actually think I got to pray with them, but I did help them have a good laugh before she went into surgery. 
So God asks us sometimes to be uncomfortable, to follow him and to serve him. And I will tell you, after many years of making hospital visits, I'm much better at that now. So I won't pass out when if I come to see you in your room. There you go, no. All right. So the disciples needed to be ready to say yes to serve with Jesus. So even after he breaks the bread, this is what I imagine, he breaks the bread, he blesses it, it starts multiplying and he gives it to them in some miraculous way to go out and to serve the people. They sit in groups of 50. So you can imagine seeing them pick up huge baskets or many, many baskets of bread and fish. And I love the idea that Jesus has compassion not only on the crowds, but also the disciples. Even though they didn't see how this could be done, they still get to be included and to distribute the food. Where will Jesus ask you to say yes and to distribute the food in your own life, maybe even this week? Word in person who uh, said yes and got to literally distribute the food was uh, Stacy Schaefer. Stacy's a longtime member of ZPC. She served as a deacon. And she shared at the Great Banquet community meeting about two weeks ago, which I was at, about saying yes. And I called her and I said, can I have permission to share your story? She said yes again, so that's important. Stacy said she had attended Great Banquet many years ago and she had been asked to be on a team and she had said yes to that. And then for many years, she had not been asked to be on a team. And then recently, in the last three or four years, she had been asked twice to be on a team and both times, she said no, it just wasn't the right time. And then she, she told herself and she actually said, I think she told God, the next time I'm asked, I will for sure say yes. So last year she got a phone call to serve on uh, the team and it was not what she expected. The request was to be the head of kitchen. So the head of kitchen, you prepare meals for the whole team, all the guests, and all the servers, which can be up to about 90 people. And she thought, why are they asking me? And she said in her own words, I don't even cook at home. How am I gonna cook for 90 people for three days? In fact, she said when she got the phone call, she was driving in her car and her kids and her father were in the car with her. And they heard the conversation like, who was that mom? And she told them what she had been asked and they all laughed at her when she said she'd been asked to be the head of kitchen. She did say yes. She stepped out in an uncomfortable place and she said yes. And here's what she told me. She said, God calls us and then in faith, we answer yes. Once I said yes, I prayed to God that he would help to get this done because I couldn't. First, God put together a great team on the kitchen and the rest of the team. And she said, so many people helped. She said, one person came in probably 10 hours on a Saturday and helped to cook in the kitchen all three meals. Many others volunteered many hours. Some of you are probably in the room here today. She said, one man comes in almost every great banquet and he loves to wash dishes. Who is that? I don't know. But he loves to wash dishes and he did the dishes all day, almost every day. And finally, Stacy told me, and this was on uh, Friday, I think, on the phone, don't be afraid to be uncomfortable. Trust that God will provide. She said she had the least amount of control over anything she could, 
but because of uh, God's help in all of this, because of, as the great banquet says, great food, great talks, and great banquets, several women during that weekend came to Christ for the first time or recommitted their lives to Christ. She said yes to something that was unexpected and uncomfortable, and God used it for his kingdom. And Stacy, actually, I was here early this morning, She's helping in the kitchen with Randy LaFoon and many others, even though she doesn't like to cook. And she's helping in there, making your brunch. So make your way to the brunch. Fantastic. And today, I will like to say for our brunch crew, it's a little bit of the supernatural, like Jesus, and a little bit of the realistic. It's people you know and some you don't know. But really, there's not that many of them and they're gonna feed approximately, with all our kids, approximately 500 people an entire brunch today, which is pretty amazing when you think about it. Again, kind of like when we go to Mexico, they have a team, everyone has a job, they are all disciples who were asked to do a job and they've said yes, and they're helping us to enjoy church and enjoy, uh, enjoy fellowship and build relationships. We know what it's like to be tired and need to get rest as the disciples did in the story. And that's a healthy decision. That's what Jesus does many times. And yet there are times when we are then asked to help again, maybe to even get out of our comfort zones or to do something that seems too big for us. But if we ask Jesus for help, Jesus can do the heavy lifting as he did in the miracle in this story of the feeding of the 5,000. And we can say yes to what he asks us to do. Jesus can do the miracle. We can be his disciples, be his teammates, and serve alongside him. We merely need to say yes. Last week as well, a friend of mine here at ZPC told me the short story of visiting years ago, visiting a missionary in Bangladesh, which I looked up as just east of India. This was around 2006. He said he was on a mission trip there and they met a woman who had helped to develop this entire mission in Bangladesh over 35 years. It included an orphanage, a school, two medical clinics, and a dental clinic. All the way back in the 1970s when she had heard there were abused women and girls who were left alone maybe to die in Bangladesh, she went there and helped. And if you fast forward all these years, this group of Americans who were there to visit her, how, how did all this ministry come about? You know, this orphanage and this school and this medical clinics and how did you get here? And her answer was simply, I was asked and I just kept simply saying yes over and over again. That's how all this happened. Jesus has shown us he can do miracles and supernatural things even when the disciples can't. And when we are willing to join him in his work, Jesus can do the heavy lifting and we can come alongside him and do his work. Jesus asked his disciples to say yes to the feeding of the 5,000. He provided a way for the people to be fed and then he asked the disciples to distribute the food. Where is Jesus asking you to say yes in your life? Where is he simply asking you to distribute the food, maybe even this week. With that, let us pray. Most loving God, again, we thank you for this scripture. God, you uh, are moving in us 
and you have used us in many ways. God, you're calling us to be your people. Lord, I know from knowing this congregation, we are a busy people. Help us as Jesus does so often in the Gospel of Luke to rest when we should and then to listen and to watch for you and then to say yes when we should and then to be humble and to serve when you call. We do pray for all these things in Jesus' name, amen. So today, that's not the end of our service. We get the special opportunity to share in the sacrament of baptism. I'm gonna ask uh, uh, Sophie and Colin Gifford to come on up with their son, Lincoln. So I'm gonna ask them to join me on stage. And Betsy Howden, who's one of our elders, is gonna come up as well to ask the congregation a question. You guys can come all the way up. Come over here and face the congregation if you would. And Sophie and Colin, it's great to be with you. We met and we talked a little bit about baptism. Also, I just wanna say, we're just so glad you're at ZPC. You make the time to drive up from Brownsburg to Zinesville to be a part of the church. And I'm glad to get to know you and I hope everybody else does too. We're, we love having you here at ZPC. As we talked about baptism, guys, we talked about a few things. Uh, baptism is a sacrament. The sacrament is a sacred moment where God is present, which has been passed down from John the Baptist to Jesus, to his disciples, to us today. And in Mark 10, it says this from Jesus, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these, to such as Lincoln. The kingdom of God belongs to him. So bringing Lincoln today in front of the church and for his baptism, I have two questions for you. Do you claim Jesus Christ as your savior and do you claim Jesus as your Lord? Do you? Second, will you raise Lincoln with the guidance and teaching of the Lord as given in the scriptures? Will you? Yes. Fantastic. Betsy, one of our elders, uh, because we want to include you as well as we think about our children as they go to Sunday school or nursery or wherever, and as Lincoln will grow to become part of that in the near future, we want you involved.